Hi everyone, welcome to another Artsy Quitter podcast. I'm Akanksha Raja and Kathy Rowland is with me. Hello. Today we're going to talk about another upcoming production that's opening at the end of the month. It's called Human Plus and it's being produced by a young emerging theatre maker, Cairo Kamsani, who is also the playwright and the director. Cairo is resident artistic director at Singapore Repertory Theatre and most recently has been working in that capacity on the Forbidden City musical. Right? So, Kairul, welcome to our podcast. Hello. So, tell us what Human Plus is all about. Human Plus is about the evolution of humanity through technology. Uh, so, it kind of starts out with setting, this, setting the frame of, look, humanity, we have been evolving based on things that we've create, created for ourselves. Like, how has the telephone changed the way we live, the way we work? And even goes back to the first tool that we ever used, the rock. And... It comes to the point where we are at the precipice of human evolution. What is the next step? We've always been asking this a lot of times. There's a lot of science fiction about this. And what Human Plus looks at is a device called the head drive, which is basically like a computer device that connects your brain to the internet. And by extension, it can connect us to each other, like sort of telepathically, through cybernetic interfaces. And the play kind of looks like looks at the moral and ethical issues between all of this transhumanism should we should we not is it is it worth going for and what are the issues yeah mm-hmm. how are these ideas framed how what's the storyline like so it's set in a billion dollar pharmaceutical company think of like Elon Musk uh, running this kind of company uh, and the ca- one of the characters is Dr. McCain he's the CEO and he also is their top researcher and uh, scientist. So he's been working there for a long time with his uh, longtime colleague, Dr. Elia Amble. And so Dr. McCain has uh, been developing this head drive in secret for a while. But they've been looking for a patient, someone who would be able to be an experiment to try the head drive on. And of course, no one would really want to do this until eventually uh, they find a patient who comes in. This, she's just done a biopsy and she is diagnosed with a Huntington's disease. Which is pre- in this in this play is a rare disease because by then they've cured cancer, they've done a lot of things to help the world, but some neurological diseases are still hard to be cured because it's within the brain. I think uh, mm-hmm. curing cancer is cellular, so for them I guess it was a lot easier. For them, when to do psychological or neurological, it was still kind of like the frontier of it. So they offer Kara, uh, an op- Kara is the patient that comes in, and they offer her an opportunity to be cured hunting this disease, sort of the incurable thing that would kill anyone by sort of accidents. And she says no, because she doesn't want to be a guinea pig. And things happen, and eventually she does get uh, the head drive inside of her, and uh, the story kind of goes from there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it kind of spirals out of control, because it all, it all starts with good intentions. We all want to help each other, mm-hmm. and we all want what's best for humanity. What They want to find the perfection of humanity through technology, but... What is that really? And mm-hmm. is it even achi- uh, achievable? Mm-hmm. So what inspired you to write this? What kind of is your relationship to technology? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do love technology, I guess. Uh, one of the lines in the play is, uh, we can surround ourselves with technology as much as we want, but when we start to put it inside ourselves, that's where the, the line is drawn. Mm-hmm. And it all started way back in 2014, or even 2013, when I started writing the first iteration when I was in national service. I was taking a bus home or something, and I was just, at that moment, I saw everyone in the bus on their phone or some kind of device. 
And I was like, oh, that's so that's so interesting. It's like right on their faces. But then there was this one guy whose phone was like right at his face. Like, oh, he mm-hmm. might as well just put it inside his head, you know? And I was like, wait a second. What if there was a device like your phone, but it's inside your brain and it connects your brain directly to the internet? I was like, oh, that's mm. that's an interesting device. I wonder what would happen if we actually made something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I, and I was I was in NS. I was really bored. So I just started writing about a character who invents such a device, and then I sketched out as like a really sh- uh, quick sketch of this guy. He's still Doctor McCain. He's still in the play, mm-hmm. so he's the same guy from the very beginning, and Doctor Eli Amble. So he's for it and she's against. And it all started with that. It's like, should we do it? No, we shouldn't do it because blah, 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 blah. It's kind of like I was writing a thesis play. Mm-hmm. It was all these sketches. And then I brought in other characters, like the patient who would be affected by this, or even a humanist uh, revolutionary who's fighting against the corporation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the first iteration was kind of like all these sketches strung together to create one plot, all because of this device that I imagined in my head. And yeah. Mm. So, how much research did you have to do to build these characters and build these? Um, mm. Research to build these know. characters. Or to build these arguments because you mentioned there were like these different issues that are brought up. So oh, yeah, I, I definitely, research. definitely mm-hmm. had to look up uh, how the brain works and how mm-hmm. we could connect it with uh, a computer. Uh, and so, the way that it works in my version is uh, an AI. Uh, is able to read chemical um, balances in the body and because we are formed up by how our chemical composure is mm-hmm. and it reads that and it translates it into binary data that is read into a computer mm-hmm. and so we can kind of see what a person feels like uh, and that's how we sort of make a snapshot of a person I did answer that question oh uh, and so with that I was like okay so that's how it works how would people react to that? And I went to all these details. And if if you uh, if you do look at the original script, it's really like a thesis mm-hmm. with all the research inside. And then when my actors read it, they were like they were so tired by the end of it. <laughs> um, but uh, that's 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 kind of how the process was, especially for a new work. I find like it helps actors as well because with them to read the research. If I give them like a whole stack of research papers, I don't think they're gonna read it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can't like force them to read. So I put it in the script and they're going to say it to each other and going to read a thesis to each other so they understand what's going on and they understand why things are happening in a certain way. And then I'll whittle it away and leave it as dialogue in the end. So they have all that backstory and all that information and that can be acted out. The only thing that is said is what is needed in the moment. Yeah. So we've seen science fiction stories with similar themes and speculations in films and TV shows like Black Mirror, it's mm. a, but it's less common a subject matter in theatre. Mm. So what do you think is interesting about using the medium of theatre to explore these ideas? Yeah, I've actually never seen Black Mirror. Everyone's telling oh, me really? to watch it. <laughs> I've never seen it. Uh, you, you'd probably love it. Yeah, maybe. I've seen Westworld and I love Westworld. Um, yeah, but I think uh, the biggest difference from this one and the 2014 one is I realised that I should not compete with like Black Mirror, Ghost in the Shell, mm-hmm. or Transcendence, because they are big budget Hollywood movies and they have the capacity to go bing, bang, boom, people are fighting rockets and everything. So I'm like, what does theater have that they don't have? Mm-hmm. And I have the suspension of disbelief. I have the intimacy of space. And I have immersion that I can do with the audience. So 
what what the the strength of theater is kind of making people believe that it's real because it is like people. It's much harder to forget that oh this isn't real. Mm-hmm. So what I did with this version, the twenty seventeen version, is I made it as close to reality as possible. So there's no giant robots. There's no laser beams. There's no nothing. So it's people talking about an issue, and it's kind of um, it's more believable than ever. Mm-hmm. I that I think that's what's that's that's supposed to be unsettling because also like how I'm doing this because I'm working with the Art Science Museum I'm kind of recreating their gallery in the front of house mm-hmm. so what I'm doing is when the audience first walk into the front of house they would feel like oh I'm in another space I'm in another another world now already just from from first arrival and then there'll be a gallery and explain to them the world make them feel like they're part of it and when they're in it even the way that the set is designed, it feels like it's coming from the audience. The first character does come from like where we are as normal people. And she does represent everyone else. Mm-hmm. And she's entering this world where things are about to change. So we are watching that transition. So we feel like we're in that transition. And when things happen, we go, oh no, do I want to go there? Do I want to be part of this? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what theater does. If you're watching a film, you're like, I'm seeing on the screen, I'm not part of it. It's in another world, there's people with bionic eyes, there's people mm-hmm. with swords for legs. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not going to believe that. But this one is, there's nobody with like an eye attachment. There's no, there's, n- there's none of that. They, are, they, they, look like real peop- they look like real people, they feel like real people most of the time. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it unsettling, I think. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about where it's set? And do you see this is something, you know, in the near future? Do you see something, you know, just a sense of the context? Yeah, so it's in the play they don't say a year where they're in, but it's definitely the future mm-hmm. because they do reference each other saying that I've worked with you for 60 years, which kind of makes you go, oh, so they've had a career for 60 years, mm-hmm. that means they lived longer than that. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a time where uh, we've been able to uh, increase our lifespan for a long time and they've cured cancer, they've done a lot of things and they've reached the pinnacle of human evolution, so to speak. So it is kind of possibly in the near future, but we don't know when. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, Elon Musk is really creating a device like the head drive, so we're not far away from it. It's been, it's been three years since you first had this idea. Yeah. And do you feel that from the point when you first had this idea to 2017 today, and how artificial intelligence is hot, both in terms of the advances in technology, but also the moral dilemma. Yeah. Do you, do you feel that change that has happened in three years? Definitely. It's kind of one of the reasons why I chose to do this one. And uh, because, I mean, I didn't know that the Art Science Museum was doing an exhibition called Human Plus as well. But as I was kind of toying with the ideas, like someone said, Kai, look at this. He showed me his laptop and he said, Human Plus, Art Science Museum. I'm like, okay, let's do this. And then I talked to them and then we see what's going to happen. And everything kind of just strung together. And it just does make sense that it's a more, it's a hotter topic now. Mm-hmm. Um, Neuralace is a thing, it's pretty scary, but I, the reason why I did write it back then is because I do want people to talk about it. I want people to be aware that this is something that is impending. Mm. Let's not be caught unawares in five, ten years' time where like people are implementing themselves and you're still in the, in the dark. Mm-hmm. So hopefully by this play, people will come in, watch, and then have an opinion about it when they leave. Mm. Okay, final question. So what lies ahead for you? Are there any other issues or topics you're curious to explore as a theatre maker? And well, uh, I, 
I mean, I do work. I I'm leaving SRT, but I'm still doing things in repertory for myself. So mm-hmm. I do I do repeat work uh, clearly, but I'm do bringing I'm bringing back another play that I did in 2015, uh, Discord of Discourse, and I'm trying to restage that and because uh, I'm applying all that I've learned the past three years to this production. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do that for that one as well, and then see how we go as a producer for that because I am I'm going to London in like a month to do my masters, mm-hmm. so. Let's. I'm gonna see what I can do there. Mm-hmm. Can I? Can I? Can I make myself work? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All the way over there. That's the plan. Okay. Before we finish, mm. tell us about uh, dates and times and venue and ticketing. Oh sure. So our first preview is on the thirtieth, but we open proper on the thirty-first of August, and we run until the third of September. Mm-hmm. And we could extend if sales go well. So guys, get your tickets now. <laughs> Uh, and you can get your tickets on Cystic. Cystic for sure. Yes. Get of the Cystic, and we run at the KC Art Center. It's kind of where SRT. And Robertson Key. Yeah. Robertson Key. They've been very nice to let mm-hmm. me use this stage. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah. yeah sure. And um, we're excited to see the show. Oh yeah. yeah. Sure. Thanks. Quick.